Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I'm your host, Derek Baker. And today, we're taking it back to some of those tier lists. We had some fun with Nintendo. Uh, now we're jumping over to Sony. So we're going to be doing the like PlayStation IP and franchises um, and seeing which ones we love and which ones uh, you know probably shouldn't have been made at all. Yeah. I feel like PlayStation really has these uh, these franchises that sort of come from two different worlds, two different eras. We have mm-hmm. like all those PlayStation 2 classics that I think stand out in everybody's mind because there were just sort of these like goofy characters, you know, they kind of are reminiscent I feel like of Crash Bandicoot and that that sort of era where it's just mm-hmm you know, a very specific type of, like, cool guy character. They had a lot of that stuff. And then as they sort of got more into the modern era of consoles, I feel like they really started to take over from where the Xbox 360 was in terms of making these really great uh, single-player action-adventure-style games um, that we still see a lot of sequels for today. And they sort of reinvented how they were going about their IPs. Yeah, and so most of what we're going to be talking about today are a lot of these Sony exclusives that are still continuing. So Crash and Spyro are kind of on most every console now and have had some remakes. So we know those will always hold a place in our hearts, but these are more of those games that are still, well, except for one or two of them, are still for the most part a Sony exclusive or that are still producing games in that way. PC, withstanding. Um, but most of them are going to be these very heavy Sony exclusives that are either getting reboots now or that are going to be just kind of always with Sony. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, Crash and Spyro, I mean, we we do, we know those characters. They're definitely reminiscent of that PS2 era, I think. When you think of the PS2 and think of Sony, I think it's clear that those really exist as former flagships. And now, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more, I think, just about the more in-depth ones, as well as some of the more modern ones. Yeah. And so we're going to go in kind of somewhat of an alphabetical order, but we're going to start it off with a Sony Classic, a game that's pretty much only stayed here. I think they have some mobile versions of it, but that is Ape Escape. And now with Ape Escape, it's, I think it more so holds a nostalgia feature of it than a fun game i enjoy (laughs) this is a game that i think works really well as like an introduction like kid style game and i don't think about it too much beyond that it's really these like goofy characters these goofy looking little monkeys you know platforming i think pretty like widely available for the people that weren't like if you weren't on nintendo you know you weren't playing the mario platformers then this was sort of like a a nice kitty alternative and i i think it works well for that but if you're really trying to like go after the the classic platformers i think you stick with mario in that regard for me this is like a 
C tier yeah. franchise. I recognize it for PlayStation um, and its availability, but it's not the one that really comes to mind. It's maybe the one you see in your friend's like gaming case back in the day. You're kind of like, okay, well, I guess we could play Ape Escape. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely sits there for me. Like a C is great, and just so you guys know, we are going from an S to an F tier on this one. So C is that smack dab. Not, you know, making any waves, but is always going to be like one of those Sony classics to have. That's like, oh, okay, we'll play something like that. Yeah. Next up, we've got Astrobot Rescue Mission, which is really, it exists as a way to showcase the PlayStation VR system. Mm-hmm. Um, another platformer, to me, lower than Ape Escape. I mean, uh, it's reminiscent of the 3DS and the little cards that came with it originally. You had like a little mini game that basically is just there to to show off the tech. To me, that's like an E tier. I don't think about it a lot. I mean, it's it's good for what it is, and I've actually heard good things. I don't have a VR myself, um, but there's a lot of... um, technology out there in the vr system that we've had for Mm -hmm. a while now that i think showcases what vr can do understandable very much the wii sports idea of this of showing the technology in the best way possible i'm actually going to put it up at a c tier i have played through this one it is a pretty fun platformer overall and it is fun to play in that vr headspace of it is it groundbreaking no is it a very good tech demo yes and I think it is deserving of a lot of the awards that it did win um, of like game innovation, you know, game designer innovation things, which makes sense. Like that's a very specific category for the year. So I think I, I will bump it myself up a little bit to that C. But like you said, it's not really a replayable game that I'm like, hey, Derek, pop this headset on. Let me give you the best of VR experience with Astrobot. Like that's not where I'm at. Well, and yeah, I think Wii Sports is a great comparison too, because Wii Sports very, very well received. But mm-hmm. when you think about Wii Sports, it's like that's kind of why a lot of people even got the Wii to begin with. You know, if it was oh, yeah. like nursing homes or like child wards and hospitals or whatever, you know, it, it was available and well received and well made. And I think that this was another game that's well made too. Just sort of one of those ones that feels like. Yeah, it's it's there, and I'm glad that it's well-made, but just not really for me. Exactly. Next up, we have ATV Off-Road Fury. Now, this was one of my favorite games for a bit as far as racers go, um, allowing you to take away from the streets that like Gran Turismo would do and get a little silly and wacky with it. For me, I'd have it at a B tier. It's definitely a fun game that had the replayability I really enjoyed of it. Um, that was a fun multiplayer game. You had it in B? In B tier, yeah. B tier. A little above C, a little bit, little bit higher than kind of just like a you know margin, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. I kind of agree with you there. I, I'm going to go with B. I was kind of thinking about a C tier, but a B tier for me, there was this era of games where we were doing the off-road thing a little bit more, and mm-hmm. it sort of brought in these different characteristics to the racing game, where we were so used to playing these racing games where it's about going super fast and taking these really tight turns. This was about like getting air and like off-roading and doing all that kind of cool stuff. It brought in a really different experience 
to the racing style. And I feel like it was the next logical step from games like um, the, what is it, Wave Racer 64. Yeah, and and coming off of a lot of like, because this was also the era of like the high flying trick stunts in the early ones within like ATV Offered Fury, because then you had like Tony Hawk stuff, Dave Mira, like all these other yeah. ones that were like getting into these like, you know, moto sports or just like extreme sports. Uh, definitely in that same era of it. For sure. Next up, we have Bloodborne, which is a really well-received game, I think, but it's one that I have not personally gotten into. Is this one that you've gotten into? I love Bloodborne. I think Bloodborne is was the refreshing, the, I should say the refreshment that was needed in the Dark Souls series uh, because it started to introduce a bit more combat style. It was its own game still in the same kind of souls born universe of it. And it was a really welcome breath of fresh air. I, I think that was needed at least for me from it. Cause like dark souls, I've, I played through, you know, one through three, finally jumped into Sony and played bloodborne. I enjoy it for me. It's an a tier uh, when it comes to, especially the Sony franchise stuff. Um, Cause I, I'd also put that in with, you know, like demon souls, with the re-release of that, sure. uh, just the, the, the first of the Dark Souls franchise, uh, definitely putting that up into A, um, because most of the words that I screamed while I was playing it started with A. <laughs> also with S, but I'm going to keep it in A. Yeah, S and F is a little <laughs> bit too far down. <laughs> too far I'm down sure. for it, but I'll yeah. give it an A. I mean, it's, yeah, everything that I've heard about it is that it's a great game and that it is really reminiscent of the Dark Souls series obviously now there's i think uh, like elden ring is widely available mm -hmm. i don't know that i necessarily see a lot of reason to go back and play a game like bloodborne with that being available um especially with how well received that is but yeah i'll, I'll pop it in that a tier yeah next up we have not a failed game it did something for a bit and that's the buzz series buzz exclamation point this is a series that had an obnoxious host, as most of these games do, and it is a trivia-based game that you play with your friends on your PlayStation. I think, in my opinion, there are so many other games out there that have done the trivia idea better, Jackbox included and various others, that Buzz was the predecessor to a lot of that. I remember one of the Buzzes actually came with this like four-player controller. You'd yeah. plug in your PlayStation, it had like four buttons you would push. Yeah. For the concept and novelty, I'm not going to lower it to an E tier. I think it's a D tier. I think it, it had cool peripherals. It was a trivia game that worked. There are a lot out there that don't. But as far as something that I really want to pick up and play, you know, Buzz wasn't there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lower it all the way down to an F tier for me. Uh, understandable. I, you know, I, uh, trivia games can be really fun. You're right. I think that trivia games have been around for a long enough time. I mean, uh, we had PC versions of trivia games. You got board game versions. I don't feel like this game really did a lot to make you feel like you were having that game show experience beyond having that little handheld buzzer thing, but that's mostly a novelty. And you're mm -hmm. right. There are so many games now that exist that... I think do this thing so much better. And it's not any worse for using your phone. It's not any worse playing Jeopardy and hitting the X button to yep. buzz in through that. So, it, you know, it really doesn't do a lot for me. 
Understandable. Next up, we've got Days Gone. Days Gone, uh, another action-adventure title from them, post-apocalyptic-style game. Don't have enough of those. Um, (laughs) What are your thoughts on Days Gone? Days Gone was a fantastic story, in my opinion. I think the gameplay was fine. Uh, For me, Days Gone, with the 18 re-releases it got to every different system that it came out with um it's fine i think we'll get to it i think the last of us obviously did it better yes i i think the idea of like nests and like firebombing things was cool and the like the mixture of like sons of anarchy meets walking dead very much the same vein of it but like cooler biker people was kind of the take on it uh, I don't know. I tread between a C and a B. I, I think as far as a game was, it's fine. It, it didn't blow me out of the water. Yeah, I, I think it's like a C tier for me. I think about it in the same way I think about, I was going to say Ape Escape, but I guess I don't really think about it in the same way. I just have them both in the C tier. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's just kind of like that game that's there. And I know that it was received really like on an average basis as well for the mm-hmm. most part. You know, and and yeah, post-apocalyptic stuff. We've gotten a good amount of post-apocalyptic stuff. And so for this game to come out in 2019 and and try and do that again, I feel like it's really got to do something great that blows you out of the water. And this one just really didn't. So C, I think, is a, a very fair tier. Yeah, it's, it's the middle there. Next up. We have dreams. And funny enough, for those who don't know, there was a lot behind this that we really wanted to be like this, hey, we're going to go ahead and make this sweet virtual space. We're doing this before the Zuck, even though there's other games out. This will allow you to kind of make whatever you want. Dream up your own game. And the tech demo was very cool. Some of the options I've seen people put in there are really amazing, and it is pretty robust. But for the most part, you're just going to find a Shrek that's running around saying, (laughs) get out of my swamp, was most of the games you ran into. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, a really amazing concept, right? Where this is sort of working as like a like a video game virtual creation space. And if you're a creative type of person, I'm sure this is like a fantastic way for you to do something like that, to really like get in and create. I struggle with that abstract style of thinking a lot, especially in like a visual plane. So Mm -hmm. games like this, I'm just like really bad at. Like give me, you know, basically like very simple ideas and I'll try and make them. But some of the things that I saw people actually creating through dreams were fantastic. Like these own little like mini games that worked within the game. And that was really mm-hmm. cool to see. I think for that, it puts it at least in the B tier for me. Cause I think that just as a, a way to express things through a video game series, it's really cool and it's really unique. And it definitely stands out. I think in terms of uh, PlayStation games. I'll wrap it up really quick. I gave it an E for Eh. it's a cool concept. It's neat. I appreciate it. It's 
you knew it was going to happen with it. You knew it's a gimmick. You knew that you're going to have Sonic and Shrek fantasies in it. <laughs> well, that's I mean, what we yeah. got. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. This is another one I think got reviewed really, really well. But the novelty, you're right, probably does wear off after yeah. a little bit. And, you know, it's just difference of opinion. You know, for me, Astrobots and E-Tier. And uh, that's kind of the same situation where it's, you know, very innovative, very well received. And I think it just, yeah, it's sure. one of those games that just depends on where you're at. Yeah. Next up, Ghost of Tsushima. This is one of my favorite PlayStation exclusives. Had a great time with this game. A lot of really cool combat elements. It's, you know, Assassin's Creed meets Samurai meets um samurai films like if you're really Mm -hmm. into the classic samurai film stuff i'm not necessarily but they have modes within the game where you can sort of recreate those classic samurai movies you can do black and white if you really want you can do um the japanese language with subtitles if you really want with you know different actors for the japanese versions so it's authentic and the english-speaking versions I know there's a second one in the works. I think the story is really great. This is an S-tier franchise yeah. for me. And I think that people are really excited about where this one goes, um, what kind of stuff it's going to be in the future. I know that people are really hyped for the second one in this series. Yeah, I'm going to follow up. Uh, it's an S-tier for me, too. I'm going to follow up. We know the name. We love the game. It's going into S tier as well. And that's God of War. The franchise overall, but absolutely the reboot um, onto the PlayStation 4. Like, it's absolutely an S tier. You know the game. I'm not going to too much into depth. So I'm just going to slap that right up there. Absolutely. I I think that's super fair. God of War. God of War 2 after the reboot, Ragnarok. I still haven't gotten into that one yet. Really excited to get into that one. Just hoping that it rolls around to one of those um, PS Plus releases like the first one did because that's how i i played through the first one and i mean people should be really i think it's doing such a cool thing taking that idea of like the roman um gods and then turning it you know into the norse mythology such like a cool story in turn to take with it um and the combat's amazing the relationship i i have atreus as one of the greatest companions of all time in that episode just a really great series next up we've got gran turismo racing game in a slew of racing games um so uh, gran turismo i think a really fun racer a really pretty racer it's like a b maybe a tier for me i i think that it's a great iconic PlayStation franchise. But I think I'd rather play Forza if if I was really going to do it. Yeah, I think between them, it's a, it's a B. Um, it's, it's definitely up there because it is the granddaddy of them. Uh, it's the realistic racer, if that's what you're looking for. And it's definitely, it's definitely worth it. And they've kept up keeping that going, which is fantastic. Um, so I definitely really, really enjoy that. Yeah, it's definitely like the um, like legit racer racer. Like in those style of the games. The racer, racer. Well, like, you know, you've got like the street racing style games, and then you've got like legitimate racing games. Yeah. And I feel like this is more on that end. But I prefer 
personally like the you know little tuner cars, little like fun, not supercars style of racer. Yeah. Next up, we have Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm gonna jump up and go ahead and put this into an A tier for me. Uh, playing as like Alloy and playing through such a cool idea of a post-apocalypse, but set in this like where we've been put back into these like caveman eras and having to use like tech that we've had in the past, which is the future, is so much fun. And I mean, it's dinosaurs, so I mean, what? more can you ask for <laughs> yeah absolutely and a really really pretty game the game got a little bit of grief for basically a, a lot of people were comparing this to breath of the wild you know when it came out like basically i think sony's version of that i don't think that was totally fair that was a lot of mm-hmm. the early response if i remember correctly but yeah dinosaurs man just like a fun little arrow hunter game again definitely down for that A tier for sure. Next up, we've got Infamous. Um, This one came out in the era of PS3 that was kind of a miss for me. That that was the Xbox 360 era. The last release for this game was in 2014. Um, So a series that hasn't got a lot of legs behind it in terms of Sony IP, but relatively well-received game. Infamous is probably one of my favorite Sony games. Um, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to selfishly put it into S tier. Infamous was one of those ones they just did not take a lot of time with in, in an idea. Like the idea of like having this chaos of Cole, who in this crazy like lockdown city finds out that he's, he's got these electricity-based superpowers and can kind of use them for good bad ideas of it and sucker punch is also the ones who worked on like sly cooper and a couple other different stories and so for me i truly enjoy infamous the later ones are just as fun as the first one so i'd toss it up there in a little bit of cheeky s tier i like it next up we have jack and daxter the classic duo, which Sony, I realize, loves to do some duos, but Jack and Daxter is a great platformer. It was there to rival Banjo-Kazooie, Mario, and all the others that came out in that same era. Jack and Daxter, for me, is going to live in a B. I think Jack and Daxter is fun. I think it's, it's really cool gameplay, especially the newest one that came out. Is a really fun yeah. option to play with. Um, but I didn't play a lot of this and the ones I did, I, I enjoyed, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't surpass my Senor Mario. Yeah. And it just kind of lives in that same space. I think it's action adventure, you know, it's Mario, it's Crash Bandicoot, it's Jack and Daxter, it's Sonic, it's all those style of games. And like, yeah, there's a little bit of like combat elements and things involved. There's, there's all kinds of like different things that. I think you're doing in these games um, and they've been around for a really long time now, but this is one of those games like I was talking about at the top of the episode that I think fits within that PS2 era really well. But then as Mm -hmm. far as the more futuristic, modern style of video game, it's a little bit out of place. So I think that uh, B tier is super fair. And it is one of our first games that Naughty Dog is going to do after their like you know, neck deep into Crash Bandicoot. So this is their first soiree outside of that 
keeping their trend going for making some PlayStation hits. Now, of course, we've got Killzone, the one that Alex has been waiting for over and over again. Um, it'll be edited out of the podcast, but he's brought it up about 17 <laughs> times now. <laughs> I don't know how to spell. This is a futuristic shooter game. Um, again, we've got a lot of futuristic shooters, you know, and Killzone, I, I think that like every console really needs one. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But after a while, they just start to not stand out in the same way. Killzone is kind of reminiscent to that era of games that's just like got that weird uh, saturated filter on where just the colors are sort of taken out and, you know, you've got like these futuristic weapons and you're in a war and, you know, it's a shooter game. I, I don't have a ton to say about it. I think that this one lives in the B tier as well. I would say so. I think Killzone as a series then leads us to Horizon Zero Dawn because it's still Guerrilla Games who's making both of those for us. So going from this dark, saturated future to this same post-apocalyptic future, but colorful and very much more in the lightheartedness than, you know, set in the 24th century of murder. So yeah, I think a B tier is good with that. Next up is Knack. Knack, baby. Knack is okay. (laughs) But like it's an interesting platform. We got Knack, Knack Two. It's E. It's not an F tier. It's still playable, but it's an E. It's okay. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. It's not a very well received game. Um, definitely a game that I don't think is really like on our radar. But was supposed to be originally basically like the new age version of Crash Bandicoot. Which, mm-hmm. do you need that? I, you know, I'd rather have new Crash Bandicoot rather than Knack. Trying to introduce that style of game, that style of character, when the character has already been established and you've got your flagship, just stick with it. Just keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next up, we've got one that is a little bit better received. I think fits within that same realm of, did we need this? And ultimately, I think was well received enough to the to answer that question. Yes, and that's a little big planet for me. I think this sits in an A tier. I think it's iconic now at this point. Mm-hmm. It's a good platformer game. We've got an episode on this one, so I'm not going to say a lot about it. But a lot of customization brought in a lot of the new age features of the marketplace to the PlayStation Three. So influential in that regard, and a lot of fun. I agree. I, I think especially as it hit that third stride, it was definitely, it, it, it got away from the Mario clone and just took inspiration and was still just a good platformer. Yep. Uh, I'm going to have you handle the next one because for me, <laughs> this is a, I don't care tier. So this is definitely for you. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you know me, d- love this game, love this series. MLB The Show is like the only sports game that I'm playing anymore i think that it's a game that if you don't even like sports this is a game that will still appeal to you because it just has such a great hitting system that's got a a loose they call it a pci and it's basically tracking the the pitch as it comes to you and it's sort of like its own little targeting system that i think is really rewarding has a fantastic um free to play online ultimate team mode that you can have a lot of success in 
without spending money, which I think is what separates it from 2K and Madden in that in those games, you're having to spend money on top of purchasing the game in order to really, truly have success. And MLB The Show, if you want to grind it out, it's not going to take you a million hours to get some of the best cards and stay competitive in the game. And on top of that, the free cards are really competitive with the very, very high grindy cards. And so it has a lot of old players. If you love baseball history at all, you can play with Babe Ruth. You can play with Mickey Mantle. You can play with these guys. They introduced the Negro League players into the game for this year's version. Huge fan. have only positive things to say about this. It is an S-tier game for me as a franchise. It's now spread to the Switch and Xbox consoles and has cross-platform, but so not technically a PlayStation exclusive anymore, but an S-tier for me. Perfect. Next up, not so exciting, but it's Parappa the Rapper. It's definitely a Sony classic. I love rhythm games. It's silly. It brings that Japanese quirkiness to the PlayStation. But for me, it's a C. I think it's a good mid-level. It's fine. It's a silly game, but it's not something that I'm clamoring about to go play. Yeah, it's a, um, I think, a fun little karaoke game. And it's just, it's the goofiness of the concept. It's sort of like how they had Buzz come out with like this over-the-top game show host to sort of satirize game show hosts in general. Like, why did they make Parappa the Rapper like be your your guy through a karaoke game like just just have karaoke at that and that's point. that's great he, <laughs> he, he did it so he it's just sort it. of like a goofy <laughs> thing that i feel like they did that they didn't have to do and that's sort of given it this extra like little bump in that it's just sort of absurd uh but that's kind oh, of what makes it fun next up we've got playstation move heroes which is like a crossover game i think it sort of fits within the vr how we were talking about um, Astrobot, it's kind of there to showcase move using mm-hmm. some iconic characters. It's got uh, Sly, it's got Jack and Daxter, it's got uh, Ratchet and Clank. And yeah, so it's got all of your platformer guys from Sony. A tech demo, in my opinion, lesser than Astrobot, I would say. Yeah. I, I would agree with you there, and that puts it at an F tier for me. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, I think it's, I think a C it's, it's, is fair. A C can be fair. I'm throwing F tier. I, I think Astrobot mm-hmm. beats it out. I'm throwing it an F. I'm following up with another F because at least the move tried or attempted something. PlayStation All Stars was like, what if we just do Super Smash Bros? Like everyone else is doing right now. And it obviously did not succeed. It's not something that was really fun or well-received at all. F tier. I agree. And I really wish that they would stop trying to make clones of Smash. Smash has got it figured out. Just try and get your characters in that game. It'll be way better for you. Yeah. Next up, we've got, I think, another Sony PlayStation classic reminiscent of that PS2 era, Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. And For me, I'm going to slide that into the B tier as well. It's where we've got Jack and Daxter, at least where I've got them. You know, Gran Turismo, Killzone, ATV Off-Road Fury. It's another action-adventure game. Um, This one, 
a little bit more attention, I think, in the modern era. You know, they had the movie come out. They had, like, some cool stuff that they've done. I, I think that this franchise still has some life. Um, and, and that, I think, makes it unique from that older era, the PS2 exclusives. And I think that's one of the biggest changes because you have Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank out coming at the same time, pretty much. But you have Jack and Daxter being more of that comic relief, straight man type play in a more, I don't even say in a more realistic sense, but Ratchet and Clank was the younger brother of that. It still had the comedy and humor and stuff, but it's more of those Banjo-Kazooie monsters and bosses versus the Jack and Daxter of it. So I think both have their target audiences they wanted. They both have their pluses and minuses, and they both had those re-releases of the next gen of them, which both did really well and I think are fun games. But yeah, most, and I think this is true for, I think, both you and I, most, 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 most action adventure titles are like a B. They're good, but they never have like a true big polish on them to make them that like echelon higher. It's it's always just that like real fun game and that's kind of where that ends. Yeah, I think that especially with Ratchet and Clank, I think if you're maybe someone that's got a little nostalgia for it or maybe you're younger and and this is how you're introduced to the series. I think that those are the people that are being targeted by these kind of games, but absolutely there's that extra level of detail that you expect in action adventure games. This one is sort of like a action adventure slash shooter slash mm-hmm. platforming title, you know, but it, but most action adventure games have some of those elements as well. And it's, yeah, it's what can they do to really take things up a notch? And I, I don't think that that happens too frequently. And yeah, I, I agree. I think a B tier fits probably nine out of 10 of those style of games. Yeah, for the most part, that's kind of where I usually will stick that. Now, next up, it's a game I struggle with because it's another one of those titles that didn't stick around. It stuck around for a bit in the early PlayStation days and then eventually fell off like most of those titles kind of did. And that's the Sly Cooper series, with our first one being Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Um, It is coming to us from the same studio who did Infamous. So again, the studio that kind of worked on these kind of like almost lower-end Disney films in a way, where it's like, it's not the main star, but it's going to be those ones that come out in the off year. And that's (laughs) where Sly Cooper hit for me. I I think it goes to B. I think it's just, it's going to fit that. But it did a bit more. Sly was a cooler character, in my opinion, this, you know, kind of thieving kind of guy who had this this cane that you could use that would latch on to stuff. And it was kind of more of that sneaking around style of action platformer and had a bit of that humor into it. And it was all tied into these like same characters where Sony was like, listen, we're going to roll the dice on literally every character we have and see which one sits out and stands out as our mascot. That's really what it feels like in this era of those early, early 2000s, late 90s, was like, Crash is up there, but can anyone else replace this guy? And you just really couldn't. And it's all these anthropomorphic animals constantly, you know, that they're trying to 
fill that mascot role. And yeah, I mean, uh, again, like another platform, but more emphasis on the stealth stuff with Mm -hmm. this one, right? And yeah, how many of these do we really, really need? And everyone's trying to release this style of game. And the more that I think about it, the more just that, you know, early 2000s just had a million of these style of games. Yeah. For me, this one fits like right into with the C, maybe D tier. I think it's a little lower than Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank. The last title for this was released in 2013. So it's been a decade now without any Sly Cooper. And I really doubt that we see him again. Unless you're getting some crazy stuff in the future, trying to revive anything they can. But I think for the most part, they're moving on to greener pastures. Absolutely. All right, next up, we've got another military-based franchise, SOCOM. And SOCOM, I kind of remember being really like one of the first series of games that really broke through on console for like a decent, dedicated online player base. Yes, which I think makes it really unique in that era. And that's sort of where I want to rate this because I don't think, obviously now it doesn't compete. It hasn't had a release since PlayStation 3, but it's, it's a game that I think broke new ground in that regard and sort of gave way to these other games that had a broader appeal in terms of online uh, multiplayer, and especially for shooters. Yeah, because this was, like you said, the first time we're really seeing a lot of the consoles testing out the idea of online play. This was the first one on the PlayStation 2 to use the headset to allow you to communicate with your task force because that was one of the biggest things of like being like the SOCOM U.S. Navy SEALs was having that option of actually verbally communicating with your uh, group that you had together, whether it's some randos, you got some friends that are going online, you need to have that playability to get into like, sneaking around, taking targets out. And overall, it was a fine game. It reminds me of the later Graw, uh, the Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, in some of those, those ways of it. But yeah, it, yeah. it was a very good start, especially having speech recognition for offline and online stuff. It was, it was pretty neat. Well, and SOCOM 2 had a, a lot of life um, you know, I, I think it's been 10 years ago now that the servers finally shut down, mm-hmm. but that was like 10 years of online play. And you're talking about a game that was on the PlayStation 2, which was really, I mean, it was like toward the, the end of the PlayStation 2, I guess, that the online play really started to become a factor. Mm-hmm. But it was something that I think gave way to a, a really, really important benchmark in console gaming. Um, for me, this is like a B tier franchise just for that alone. Same. It's, it's like you said, it's one of those going back, it's rough, but in the time that it is and just the importance that it has and the dedicated fan base that it brought about, I, I think it's definitely into that B tier. And it, you know, I think that's consistent with what we've said just Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clay, Killzone, ATV Off Road Fury, same, same, uh, era of gaming mm-hmm. next up it's another one that i'm gonna slap right up there it's an s tier the s stands for spider-man 
And absolutely. This was a title that a lot of people wanted to clamor for, were excited about, didn't know how it was going to turn out. Because the Spider-Man games, wildly enough, have either been fantastic or just below F tier. (laughs) And so to actually get this that ties into so much of what Marvel's doing within like, you know, Enter the Spider-Verse, when we're having this out with Miles Morales coming out as as a quote-unquote official character in this canon for people who don't read the comics, but having this idea of the multiverse, this was such a great video game introduction to all of that. And I know you've played a bit more of this than me, so I'll let you kind of take over on that idea of it. Yeah, Spider-Man, I've 100% completed both the main Spider-Man. I did it again in Spider-Man when it was remastered. I did 100% on the Miles Morales Spider-Man too. It's the first PS5 game that I bought. It's just a fantastic game. And if you like superheroes, comic books at all, I mean, this is like probably the greatest superhero game that I've played. Feels really great. Uh, swinging around, doing all the Spider-Man web stuff. I feel like what I really loved about this game is making the tie-ins to all the characters that they did and making it feel organic without being overwhelmed mm-hmm. by all these different storylines because it keeps the main plot very focused. You are not all over the place doing these one little, like, trailing pathways where you just are really heavily focused on taking down a specific character and then like a new chapter in a book it just moves on to someone else this game stays focused on villains that are all big bads throughout without making you feel overwhelmed and without making you feel like the game is shattering in different directions and Mm -hmm. that you could complete you know, one boss's thing and then, you know, basically be starting fresh somewhere else. And it has enough good, like, I I think care put into it from like a comic fan's perspective that you don't feel like they took too many liberties with stuff. And I think that's really important that the source material is honored Mm -hmm. in a way when they're doing these alternate takes on characters. And I mean... To me, PlayStation, Peter Parker, Spider-Man is up there with Ultimate Spider-Man, which was the original Miles Morales storyline. And it's right up there with the main universe, Peter Parker. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, I think that it is an interesting enough character to put it in that alternate universe in, in iconic versions of characters similar to the old man Logan that we had in the film Logan plus the comic book version, you know, alternate realities are a big part of superhero lore. And I can't say enough about how good this game was. Yeah. I I echo all of that. Again, you've played so much more. I played through the first one, just kind of start to finish, didn't hundred percent, but what it's kept with it in the combat system. And it, it feels so much like when we first got to see the Arkham asylum combat system, And then when you see the Spider-Man one, it's like, hey, we took upon that and brought it to a true idea of next gen, to a true idea of expanding and taking things that didn't work with it and working on them and making them polished and perfect. And then also taking the things that were perfect and be like, hey, it's beyond perfect. It it, it works so well. Spider-Man is such a great character to have that can be like jumping and flying and web swinging and slinging. And it, it, it just made combat much 
more like tactical in a way too of like there's so many different ways that you can tackle enemies and and different scenarios that it did give the player choice and spider-man is one of those characters that is always underrated as a superhero goes he's one of the most powerful superheroes that marvel's created and that can be a problem in a video game setting is he too overpowered is he not overpowered enough I mm-hmm. think that the combat system in this game stays in a good sweet spot where you can play on those real upper difficulties and still have a lot of success. You know, when I was playing through the game, I did play on the hardest difficulties available and never felt like it was too easy or cheating to the point of where it's like impossible in certain mm-hmm. moments. You know, it does reward you for being good at the combat, which is, I think, the best thing that you can ask for when it comes to setting difficulties. It's really frustrating to me personally when I play a game, if it's a racing game, if there's artificial rubber banding, if it's a shooting game, if you've got aim bots that then come from the computer side and see you through the wall, you know, there, there needs to be a, I think a consistent standard that everyone's playing by the same rules when it comes to the difficulty settings And it feels like a superhero winning against these more normal people on a regular, consistent basis and racking up big combos against them makes the most sense. And it's really rewarding in that regard. Yeah. And and I think I think a lot of that leads a lot of those sentiments of it, I think definitely leads us to our next one. Yeah, absolutely. The next game is another big franchise now. This is The Last of Us. And The Last of Us is definitely an S-tier game. Mm -hmm. It's a game that did the apocalypse thing, but did it in a very unique way in that (laughs) we've talked before, I think, about how much we hate companions in video games and like escort missions in particular and this game is basically one long escort mission but also not Mm -hmm. it's like escort missions kind of done right um where you don't have this totally helpless person next to you yeah but the narrative in the story is what really makes the last of us compelling you know you have this guy who has lost his biological daughter when this outbreak of this fungus ruins Uh, humanity basically and you have all the things that then come from that you have sort of this fascist regime and these expectations for you know under the guise of keeping people safe you have these people that are working outside of the quote law that doesn't really exist anymore you know and taking humanity really back to a base level Mm -hmm. very tribal level and so it's got a little bit of like the walking dead elements of that in there I think. Well, and, and I think that's, that's the exact point, too, is like, it's so hard because Walking Dead did so well in the comic book is amazing. The show is great, too. And like that kind of became the establishment of modern zombie. But yes. to take it an idea where it's like, you can't just mow down all of these guys like they are one on one. You could still just die. Yep. And to have that scariness, to have the idea of like what is happening is so amazing. And I love The Last of Us because it's not a week after outbreak. It's not 28 days later. It's 20 years later. Like it, yeah. everything's already crumbled. 
and has slowly been built up, like you said, into like these military factions, into raiders, into just people trying to survive. And it's such a cool way of telling it because you have someone like Ellie who didn't experience past world and has no idea about how things were and is living in this post-apocalypse. And that's, that was a joke about like a lot of COVID babies that were like used to just like walking up to things, like putting their hand under it, thinking that it's going to be hand sanitizer. You know, it's, it's these things of like not knowing a life before then. And I'll just jump real quick so we can touch on it. The gameplay is amazing. I love the combat system that they have. I love the brutality of it. That's that very like gut wrenching, like, yeah, it's one-on-one combat. Like (laughs) when you're fighting other people, it's, it's a lot. And even in Last of Us 2, like, there's so much cool stuff they've added with that combat-wise and story-wise. It is one of the better stories we've had in a game, one of the best stories, really, we've had in a game in a long time. And that leads into the HBO show that adapted that material really well and can carry that story. And so you see, like, when you have good writing, and even if it's an escort mission plus, you can do it really well. And the combat is really where I think it shines because it fits into the narrative of having true risk. And I, I think that's why, you know, it was a great thing to, you know, juxtapose against Spider-Man, whereas there's not really a ton of risks for Spider-Man, right? Where he's, you know, he, he's a superhero, so he doesn't have to worry about that stuff. So taking on 10 guys at once it's just a totally different game than when you jump over into the last of us. And yeah, you're just like Joel and you've got these like crazy, like muscular, uh, messed up looking fungus zombies. And then on top of that, you have like a military militant group that is constantly on the lookout for Mm -hmm. people breaking the law so that they're, you know, quote, keeping people safe. And for the most part, you're outmatched and you have to outmaneuver those people and avoid them and be stealthy and then fight when you have to fight. And it's, it's a game that does keep you on the edge of your seat and you have to stay on your toes if you want to really, you know, be able to move through that world. And so that fits right in with the narrative where there really is a true risk in going out into the world. But because this girl, Ellie, might be the cure to the problems, you know, the risk becomes worth it. Whereas yeah. in most circumstances, it wouldn't be. And yeah, and if you haven't played it, I highly recommend it. It's on every dang PlayStation system since the three, um, also on PC now. And, and I think it's a free to download for PS Plus members. It's remastered. Yeah, definitely, definitely check it out because the story, again, is one of the best. But going to our next game, though, it's the true story. The telling of this true story is really what drags us in. And of course, everyone knows I'm talking about the other amazing story game in the PlayStation franchise. That would be Twisted Metal. <laughs> this game scares me. I remember playing this game at my my friend's house way too young to have this game. They've got all these backstories about like, oh, this guy like broke out of prison (laughs) for murdering all these people. And what do you do, of course, when you break out of prison? You hop in a vehicle and you participate in a murderous demolition derby. Yes. If you want to think of a movie that's like this, uh, Death Race, 
uh, is pretty much the best concept for it. But you I mean, had it's Fast and Furious now at this point. Oh, absolutely! It's absolutely <laughs> Twisted Metal on the PlayStation was the jam. It was such a fun like Mario Kart, like the balloons. You got to shoot items at each other, knock their balloons down, but R rated of just like firing at each other to destroy the different vehicles. You had Sweet Tooth that was in the uh, like ice cream clown car. You had the dude that was just yeah. one big wheel. You had a tank. You had like the the guy who's just like in like an MI6 James Bondy type car. Like there was just so much to it. It was so much fun. And then unfortunately they made sequels and those were just so bad. And the charm of the first one was just totally lost. This is a game that I think benefits from the era that it came out in. Absolutely. In the, in the 90s, you know, where maybe like it's a little bit of a flawed concept. Um, when it comes to like realism and stuff like that, but you can suspend a lot of that belief for early video games because mm -hmm. there's not all this like lore and like there's not like a Bible that they're following in terms of you know what are they actually doing, and yeah. there's not all this emphasis on the way that it looks. And so when you really strip it all down, it's just like a demolition derby game with a darker twist to it. Well, would you play a Demolition Derby game long-term in 2023? I don't really think so. You might play it as like a mini-game yes. in a different game, but you don't want to go and buy a dedicated Demolition Derby game. You don't want to buy a, you know, a necessarily like a B-tier racer game. You want to get like the dedicated racer or the dedicated yeah. whatever. You know, maybe you play Saints Row play a little Demolition Derby in that and get the same fix that you'd get from Twisted Metal. When Twisted Metal went the same route that NFL Blitz did, where it tried to go even edgier later on, yeah. and it kind of paid off being different than its predecessors, but still didn't have that staying power, unfortunately. And so, yeah, with that, I'd put it in the C tier. I think it's a game that is fun to pick up with your friends. If you want to do some demo derby stuff, especially the PlayStation one, if you can get that or emulate it, it is very fun. It's silly. It's over the top. It took itself a little too serious in the later ones, but that first one was just like, hey, let's sit around a room, make silly cars, put it in this death race, have fun. Yep. I am in full agreement, C tier. Last but not least... We've got another film favorite in Uncharted. Got Tom Holland. We've got yes. uh, <laughs> it is. It's Marky how you do Mark. the adaptations wrong. This is this is the option of how you do it wrong. Last of Us is how you do it right. Yeah, it is unfortunate. I I don't know too many people that liked the Uncharted video game series that then turned around and liked the film because mm -hmm. I think the film. I I didn't see the film. From what I understand, it was mainly just a generic indie clone that they slapped the Uncharted brand on. It 100% is. I, I turned it on to give it a try, and I, I'm not a big fan of Mark Wahlberg overall. I think Tom Holland was fine in it, but Mark Wahlberg's just, it's just Mark Wahlberg. Mark and Wahlberg has kind of had his time, right? Like, yeah. I, I think that we, he wasn't the most like 
marketable action hero I think that we could have gotten out of the mid to late 2000s. Mm-hmm. So we started getting him more in like these buddy comedies. Um, he's just a, he's a weird actor. I, I don't really know how to place him. So it was definitely weird when, yeah, he was in that movie. Yeah, and it's it's fine. It's one of those things. It's the faux pas that destroyed the Halo show and many others where it's like, hey, we're going to take this universe, but we're going to tell our own story. We're not going to rehash what's already been done. We're going to make it our own. The Witcher. Yes. And then you have stuff like The Last of Us where you work really, really close with the game creator. And you're like, we want to retell it, but adapt it. Very much like you do a screenplay to a movie. Or you're going to take something from Broadway to a show. Or you're going to take a book to a movie. You're going to work with the source material and try and do it the best you can. And when you have like the writer and creator on board in the meetings as you write this and you adapt it the best way you can, like it works. And it's unfortunate because Uncharted is just a movie in video game form. <laughs> How do you mess it right. up? Right. And so, I mean, getting on the video game side of this, we've got action-adventure third-person shooter-style game, right? Mm -hmm. What I think is important about this one is that it really ushered in, when I think PlayStation 3 New Age exclusives, I think about Uncharted. Yeah. This was the one that I think really kicked off the new era that says, hey, we are going to take a more real-life approach to the way that we uh, design and, and come up with exclusive IPs for the PlayStation. Because mm-hmm. up until that point, we had these cartoonish, anthropomorphic animals, you know, and, and we're saying, okay, we're, we're kind of done with that. Like, yeah, we'll honor it. It's our legacy. But let's follow the Xbox 360 model and start coming up with answers to things like Halo and Gears yes. of War and things that involve these exclusive, sure, like, beefed up human characters but we're gonna do that and and make an adventuring game yeah and it really sold the playstation 3 i mean i I remember i bought a ps3 for this and god of war and a couple others but you know overall sony has really won out on the kind of console exclusives especially i mean if you want to give an award out give it to naughty dog I mean, for what they've been able to put out with all the games they've done, it's just been insane. Them and Insomniac. Um, it's, it's just amazing what these, these studios have done in these in-houses. And that's why Microsoft has been challenged to buy up, you know, uh, ZeniMax, you know, part of all the Elder Scrolls stuff and, and part of Bethesda, buy up all these indie studios and buy up everything else around it because you have these amazing in-houses that are doing great, whereas you have in-houses like 343 that have done okay. You know, it hasn't blown the bank out for what they're making on it. It's just done okay. And yeah, Naughty Dog, I mean, Responsible really, I think is it's probably the studio for Sony. Yeah, I mean, they Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, did Uncharted, did The Last of Us, mm-hmm. you know? And it's interesting that the same people that did Uncharted and then did, you know, The Last of Us, that those two adaptations in film and TV would take such different directions. But 
Who but knows all the background stuff that that went into that? Yeah, and you know, after the studio has it, it falls down to Sony. But yeah, I mean, Naughty Dog, basically everything you're playing on the PlayStation, really besides God of War, because I mean, you're talking about Jack and Daxter, The Last of Us, Uncharted. I mean, all these other games, Crash Bandicoot, um, all these games that were staples with it. We're amazing. And if you haven't checked out our episode on uh, Crash Bandicoot, it's great. We go into a lot of what Naughty Dog did. And Naughty Dog basically just hacked the PlayStation before they even like had the full contract and was like, yeah. we're going to use some of the console memory for this because we cannot fit everything on this disc. And it's, it's, that's really what won them this and like the pushing of innovation and the pushing of wanting to do more with it. And that's why you're seeing so many Naughty Dog games like rising to the top on this list. Absolutely. Well, that, that wraps it. That's yeah. uh, that's the main list. You know, a couple left off there, like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro, like we were saying. I think if we were to place those, probably B tier along with a lot of those other ones. Possibly even pushing it to A, just for yeah. what they brought. Like Crash breaking that isometric. It's no longer side-scroller. It's like you go towards the camera, you go away from it, like bringing in this full, quote-unquote, 3D. It's 2.5D in a way. Um, yeah, it definitely would have been up there. But yeah, let us know any of the other franchises that Sony started, sold away, or that's worked with that you think should be on the list. And where would it rank? Let us know what your ranks are with this. What did we get wrong? Because we got it all right. But what do you think we got wrong on our ratings for this? Let us know on our, all our socials. We'll be there. Absolutely, guys. This has been fun. Always love doing this. I'm sure we'll do an Xbox One very soon, or Microsoft One, rather. Mm -hmm. and uh, that'll be fun as well. All right, guys. See you later. See you.